Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. We are right in the middle of our spring pledge drive, but we would never dream of pausing our great conversations with Bishop Frank Caggiano. So keep your dial locked in right here. Um, before I introduce the bishop, I do want to remind you that Veritas is your Catholic station. And to keep your station going and to keep listening to your favorite Catholic shows, please call in. The number is 833-88-TRUTH. 833-88-TRUTH. Or you can go to veritascatholic.com. This is the only place here in New York and Connecticut where you can find solid Catholic teaching and uplifting conversations 24 hours a day on the radio or on your phone um, at 1350 AM and on the Veritas Catholic Network app. And we're bringing the truth to Connecticut and New York and offering you a place to escape the noise that fills most of radio and you can come here and be fed. But to keep doing this does require your participation. Your station cannot exist without your help. So the number is 833-88-TRUTH. Please call in and make your gift of support. Do your part to continue to build this important work. If you're enjoying and benefiting from Let Me Be Frank, we need you to join the mission and keep it going strong. So it's 833-88-TRUTH or veritascatholic.com. Well said, All right. my friend. Well Thanks, said. Excellency. Thank you. And so I'm going to welcome everybody to Let Me Be Frank. You know, we're so grateful for all of our listeners. It's because of them that every week I get to say, it's my great pleasure as always to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. And it's my great pleasure to be with you, Steve, and to, and to chat about faith, which is what we do, right? Yes. It's, it's really just a conversation about the things that really matter, just like you said. Yes. Yep. Versus most of the time we talk about things that really in the end don't matter all that much. Right. And just rile us up unnecessarily. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we've been doing this, Excellency, for well over a year. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I thought that we might be able to, this one time, um, talk about money. And so... Money? <laughs> <laughs> For or against? <laughs> Yes, of course. Well, I mean, it's the whole idea of stewardship, right? Yes. It's a fundamental principle. Yeah, tell us. Stewardship, what is it? I mean, like, what is stewardship, right? Yes, that's what I was going to ask you. Yep. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of priests and bishops don't like to talk about money. I myself feel somewhat uncomfortable in some context talking about money. All right, but we have to get over that. It's as simple as that. Why is that? Because there is a fundamental Christian obligation to be proper stewards of God's resources and God's gifts. So what is a steward? A steward is a person to whom is trusted something or someone to be used correctly for the greater good those around us in service of the Lord's mandate to love our neighbor and to serve him in his glory. That applies to everything we have, because in the end, everything is a gift, right? And my confirmation homily, sometimes I refer to to the young people I mentioned to them, your very next breath is a gift, Hmm. right? It's a gift from God, who, without whose sustaining love, we would fall out of existence. We wouldn't even be here. So... In the construct that we have created in human society, we talk about ownership. I own this. 
And in some sense, that is correct, because you have rights over whatever this may be, your land, your house, whatever property. But that right, that say over this, that ownership, is always at service to the larger purpose of what God has for all things. That is why greed is a sin. Right? Because when, you, when your possessions possess you, right, then they become an end in themselves, then they are, not, they are not being used for the purpose that God created them for, which is for your own benefit, the benefit of the people you love, and the benefit of all people, of all neighbors. Right? So when we talk about stewardship in Christian terms, we talk about time, talent, and treasure. Right? The three T's. Time, because we have to spend time with God every day. It is our obligation, right? And to spend our time in service of the gospel. Now, when you cook dinner, it's in service to the gospel if you're feeding yourself and you're feeding those whom you love. It's time spent in service of the gospel when you are, you are witnessing by a life of integrity. All of that is proper stewardship, right, in the end. All right, talent is where actually, to be honest, I find the greatest challenge as a, as, a, as a bishop trying to lead people in faith. Because generally speaking, most people tend to be generous. It's not to say they could not be more generous, but they are generous with the material resources, which I'll get to in a second. But, but their talent, they either are shy or perhaps doubt the gifts God has given them that they could share, right? Now, perfect example, you are a perfect example. You are a perfect example of a person who has found a talent, right? A set of gifts and has put it at service to the larger church because Veritas would not, be, would not exist in Faithful County without your leadership and the board's leadership, right? Now, imagine if you had decided to take your talents and bury them underground. All of the good that you just referred to at the beginning would not have been happening. All the blessings people have received. Even the questions that, ra- that, that arise in people's minds, which are very good because that's how you learn faith as an adult. You have to ask questions and ask for the answers that make sense and move your heart and mind and will to move forward in grace. So, so talent. And I'm going to challenge our listeners. You know, when you go back to your parishes and and you look at others serving and you look at ministries that are unfolding and you say to yourself, we should be doing X, Y, and Z, the question you and I should ask ourselves is, what talents has God given me to be able to contribute to whatever I see around me? Right? I've said before, discipleship is not a spectator sport. We're all involved in some way, which then leads to treasure. Now, honestly, honestly, if today were the last day I were alive, what would the difference make for the material possessions I have? They couldn't help me an iota, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, we live in a materialistic world that forgets that all that we have materially is for a higher spiritual purpose. And that highest spiritual purpose is truly in the service of love. Proper love of self, love of neighbor, love of the church, love of Jesus Christ, who is the Savior, right? So when you ask, now your goal is $100,000 this week. Yes. Okay. 
when you ask our listeners, and me, and anyone else for that matter, who knows of Veritas, to give <coughs> of our money in support of the mission, then in a sense, you are giving us an opportunity to put our faith into action, right? <coughs> to see the work that needs to be done precisely in a world that's materialistic. Our generosity is the antidote to the possessiveness of the world around us. Yes. That holds on for personal pleasure, personal aggrandizement, <coughs> for whatever it may be. We're looking for something different, a different direction. And therefore, I would encourage everyone <coughs> as much as they possibly can to sacrificially give in our, in our appeal because that money will seed faith in the hearts of people you will never know. Yeah. <coughs> and therefore that is very important. <coughs> and that's a real, that's a real <coughs> material involvement and partnership in the work that we're doing. As Mother Absolutely. Teresa said, Mother Teresa said, um, she said, you can do certain things and I can do certain things, but together we can do great things together. And and I think that's what she was talking about. Not everybody Without could go doubt. to India, but you could give. And the other thing I have to challenge our listeners to about is this. When you look at giving for the mission of the church, <clears throat> it is an indisputable fact that those who are poorer actually give a larger percentage of their resources than those who are more comfortable and affluent. And I don't say that as a judgment, I say that as an observation. Because when you live at the edge of life, when you live with really constant struggle for the basics of life, not the comforts of life, the basics of life, then there is an empathy in one's heart for those who have even less. And it is remarkable for me to see that type of giving. You know, remember the parable? The woman, the widow, with the, yes. the two coins? Two mites, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's the same idea. And, and therefore, again, I'm going to challenge all of us who are listening. Whether it's for Veritas, whether it is for the works of their parish or the works of the diocese, we are living in a very unprecedented time. Unprecedented because in the pandemic, even as it begins to recede, there has been permanent damage done. We'll talk about that later. But there's also a golden opportunity because people were shaken out of their complacency by the pandemic. And before that memory disappears, we need to get to them and ask some basic questions of faith and allow them, like you said, food to be fed, their spirits to be fed, because it's a moment, it's a time, it's not gonna last forever. So the work of Veritas and so many other missions are so critically important because they may be disposed to listen to the word of faith now in a way they weren't a year ago and perhaps may not be six months or a year from now. Yeah. So if there's a time for sacrificial giving, it's now, right? And that all wraps up in the duty to evangelize. 
right? Yes, our baptismal duty. Yeah, right. Which, which, what does baptism do? We've talked about this so many times. Baptism gives you the promise of eternal life. And essentially, that's what it does. You enter into the death and resurrection of Christ without having to endure the death that Christ endured. We give it to us literally on a golden platter of grace. But what's the, what's the, but what's the ask? The ask is we are given, infused in us faith, hope, and charity so that we might invite others to receive the same unmerited gift. That's what evangelization is. It's proclaiming the good news the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, how do you do that? In my humble opinion, the most effective way to do that is by seeding seeds and waiting for them to grow, to sprout, and tending them. You know, there are some who evangelize with a two by four, okay? I'm not of that opinion, <laughs> okay? You know, slam them over the head. This is it. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't like it. The alternative, you know what the alternative <laughs> is. Make your choice and move on. Okay? The now, fire and brimstone. Right. And, and I'm not of that opinion. And the reason I'm not of that opinion is because, as we've said before, our obligation in baptism is to effectively evangelize. Not evangelize so that you think your conscience is appeased because you said what you had to say, not giving a blessed thought as to saying in a way that someone could hear it effectively. You just said it, got it off your chest. Lord, I did my duty, I'm in. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> That will come as a rude awakening. No, you're not, because the obligation is to be able to help a person to truly understand, hear, appreciate what the Lord is doing for them. See, that's why Veritas is so extremely important. Because if someone listens on a regular basis in their car, right? We've talked, when we first started, sitting on the merit, which mm -hmm. now that things are getting back to normal, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the traffic jam again. It is back <laughs> in full force. Okay? So when we spend hours and hours in our car and people are listening, someone on some show may say something in just the right way with just the right language that one person sitting in a car between Norwalk and Westport may actually, it may click. Yes. And that's effectively evangelizing. Mm -hmm. And maybe something else said by someone else in a different context may click in someone else's heart or someone else's mind. And that's what you're doing. You're just throwing seeds and seeds and seeds out and seeing where they're going to take root. But see, that's an effective way to evangelize. You're really saying, Lord, this is what we have to offer. Now it's up to you to see where it can be planted and grow. Yeah. So we don't use two-by-fours here. <laughs> we don't. We just tell yeah. the truth as best we can. Yeah. Right? You know, mm -hmm. and, and you, you talked often about the first means of evangelization is through our example. And mm -hmm. I mentioned to you um, this show, The Chosen, about mm -hmm. Jesus and the apostles. And mm -hmm. that one scene in the second, second or third episode that just really has stayed with me, where Nicodemus approaches Mary Magdalene because he sees that she's been exorcised and transformed. And he says to her, he says, what, 
what is this? Who did this to you? And what is this? And she looks at him and she just says, I don't know who he is. All I can, all I know is that I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And if we have enough different voices telling you in different ways, as you mentioned, Excellency, mm-hmm. one of those ways is going to resonate and bring Absolutely. that person to an encounter. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I have learned is that we are all limited in our ability to be effective you know, uh, many times I tell stories about my upbringing. I'm from Brooklyn. I have my, my cultural background. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely certain I must rub a significant portion of the population that listens to me the wrong way. Right? And there are others who say, I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> and whether it, you like it or not is irrelevant. It is who has entree, Right? to be able to, in some way, shape, or form, encounter the Lord through all of this. Yeah. Right? And it's the same with you, my friend. There are people, many who will say, what a wonderful guy, and others may say something else. But, but then for someone else who may, I may rub, you may rub the wrong way, there are others who will not rub the wrong way. And it's just a fact. We cannot be all things to all people. We can't. Yes. But that's yes. why this is evangelization is a community effort. It's not personal effort. Yes, right. So, mm-hmm. so did somebody say something to you about me? Because I just want to. Do you know have their names or anything? I'm just. Oh no no! I'm just kidding. Right here, it's about forty two <laughs> pages long. Here, wait a minute. I'll let me find it. <laughs> no, who cannot like you? Yeah, Come right. <laughs> just ask my family. <laughs> um, I think, Excellency, one of the problems is uh, that we're too familiar with the stories. You know, we grew up with these. But, I mean, we have a Red Sea parting, prison-shaking, self-resurrecting Savior. And when you think about what that really means, it's just... Uh, right. Right. I mean, it's, up, it's up to the Holy but, Spirit, of course, to touch people's hearts. But, but what did you just say? What, what do we need to do? We need to? We need to share that. Right. We need to encounter well, him and accept we him. We need to sit with it. Yes, yes. We need to sit with it. Familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. Okay. And the scriptures are precisely because they're divinely inspired. They always speak to us in new ways. But we need to sit with them. And just be quiet for the love of the mm. Lord. Just be quiet. Just sit there. Read it and allow the Lord to speak. You know, we talked about something. I, I mentioned to you about the prodigal son, right? The last time we were together or two times ago. And yes. the revelation that it was out of this, the older son's possessions. Yes. That's his Well, you know, I had never thought of that. And, and I still, believe it or not, it still crosses my mind periodically because it reminds me that the st- each of the stories in the Gospels and in the Scriptures, they, they, they continue to echo and re-echo. That's where familiarity will not lead to, you know, presumption or the worst contempt. That familiarity will always be refreshing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's why you need Catholic radio. Yeah. You need Catholic radio because you keep exploring, you keep digging, right? You keep, you keep teaching, you keep 
you, we're never done. And, and, and other people will come with other insights and even other presenters like myself will listen and say, my gosh, I never thought of that. Yes. And then yep. that seeds my preaching. So when I preach and that seeds other people's hearts, you, you see what I mean? It's like, yes. right? Yeah. It's not just for the person who doesn't know the faith. It's for us as well. I, you know, I can't tell you how much I've grown I'm at a much lower level than you, Excellency, but I've grown so much listening to Catholic radio over the past, you know, many years. Um, just like you said, you immerse yourself in it, and right. it's right. it's always exactly. there, always on and available for right. to learn. And, and I would say this: I think of all the mediums, because of the mobility that we now have, radio, and podcasts and things of that nature are actually far more accessible. Yeah. Right. Than they used to be because people now just naturally will listen as they're driving or then when they're running or they're exercising, whatever they may be, right? Yes. So we thought, we thought radio would go out the window, but it, it, the opposite is true. It's actually more popular now than it was 50 years ago. It's, it's amazing because Nielsen does uh, media research every year and they found even last year, the last year was the latest one, 93% of all Americans ages 18 plus, 93% listen to AM FM radio on a weekly basis. Yeah. And that it includes young people. That's 94% of all teens and 96 or so percent of all millennials. So right. exactly what okay, you're saying. Let me ask you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. How many people do you know drive everywhere they go with the radio off? Yeah, probably. Or with, I don't know of anyone. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. I don't know of anyone. Exactly. You're either listening to music, listening to the news, listening to a podcast, listening to something you download, but very few people. Yeah. Okay. We'll just sit in silence. So, so what are you going to do? I mean, this is the venue. Yeah. This is the venue for there's over 350 million vehicles in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right? There are more cars than people at this point. Most of them are moving somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You know, there's, a, there's a, a story from early in the days of EWTN Radio. EWTN Radio has been around since 1996. But early in the days, there's a, a story that just resonates. And there, there's a young woman who was pregnant and she was driving herself to an abortion clinic. And to get her mind off things as she's going there, she turned on the radio and starts flipping through the dials and landed on Catholic radio. And she couldn't turn it off. And Excellency, she pulled the car over and just started sobbing. And then when she composed herself, she turned the car around, she went back home and she kept her baby. And mm -hmm. so, like you said, you'd never know who is going to touch when, at what moment. Right. And what's, the, and, what's, and what's the price of a life? Yes. So we ask, we're looking for $100,000. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the fact that there could be another life saved from the money raised. Yeah. It would be worth a, a trillion times that hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. In the few minutes we have left in this segment, I just want to ask you, and I'm surprising you with this question, I know, but just to maybe look back on the year plus of Let Me Be Frank and kind mm -hmm. of what are your you know general thoughts as you look back, think back. Well, one is just extreme gratitude. Because I cannot tell you, Steve, how many people have stopped me in listening to this podcast in, in the diocese. And they will repeat some of the stories that, that you and I have shared. 
on <laughs> some of the, uh, the things that we've spoken about. And I'm just very grateful because one of the great difficulties, obstacles being a bishop is that I don't have a single congregation. You know, when you're a pastor, over a number of years, your people really get to know you. And as they get to know you, they get to trust you. And then they can follow your leadership. As a bishop, it's always remote. It's always... So I never had a forum where I could literally just be me. And because of your, your generosity to invite me to be part of this, people have gotten to know me in a, in a very different way. And that is... For me as a pastor, that is a great gift. It's a tremendous gift. Yeah. And it's also the other piece to this puzzle is that it, it also in many ways has helped me um, to develop further uh, my ability to evangelize. Because for, this is a new medium for me. To formally preach the gospel, I've done that for years. And hopefully I do it with some effectiveness. But this was a totally different forum. This is, is having a conversation with a friend and inviting other friends to listen in and join in. So, so I, and, I, and I, I'm very comfortable with it, right? I, and I love to tell stories, I do. But it's also taught me it's a way to evangelize. Yeah. Now, how is that different if you and I had a cup of coffee sitting around a kitchen table and someone else joined the conversation? Is that not kind of the same thing of what we're doing here, only on a smaller scale? Yes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so my experience has been it's helped me to, 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 to be more accessible. It has taught me a new way to evangelize. And quite frankly, I love it. I have a lot of fun. So I look forward to it every week. <laughs> I, I, I admit, me too, Excellency. And, you know, uh, I knew that, you know, putting you on the air would give people who listened, it would help them grow in their... Uh, understanding of the faith and their love of Jesus and their spirituality. But what, what one of the things you said is something that I didn't anticipate. And I've gotten emails, you know, two right off the, that stay uh, top of mind for me. One that said, you know, I always wished I could have a, an unhurried conversation with my bishop. And now I feel like I do. And, mm-hmm. the, uh, and another one was even stronger uh, this gentleman wrote in and he said, you know, the bishop is the shepherd of his diocese. We're his flock. We're supposed to love the bishop. And I never felt like I did because I never felt like I knew the bishop before. And I'm growing to love our bishop. Oh, wow. So, wow. yeah, I, I was very, right. yeah, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, the number to call in so you can be a part of this important work that we're doing with Catholic Evangelization on the radio is 833-88-TRUTH. If you're listening and you've been enjoying Let Me Be Frank and, you know, as I, as I said, Bishop, you know, listening to this show for me and for so many that I've heard from has been a blessing. Um, if you want more of Bishop Frank and you want more local programming and you want to actively participate in what Veritas is doing on the air, call us. The number is 833-88-TRUTH. We only do these pledge drives twice a year. 
And so it's up to you to keep Veritas on the air and growing. All right, we'll be right back to continue our conversation with Bishop Caggiano. Hi, I'm Al Cresta, host of Cresta in the Afternoon. I grew up in Connecticut and spent lots of time in New York, but when I return to Connecticut these days, it seems as secular as Portland, Oregon. And of course, New York City is the center of global postmodernism. That's why Veritas Catholic Network is absolutely essential. It's light in darkness. And why I urge you to join me in supporting Veritas by calling 833-88-TRUTH or go to veritascatholic.com. Nowhere will your financial support find greater reward. All right, you're listening to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. And let's continue our conversation with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, uh, you know, thanks for your thoughts on stewardship and evangelization, Catholic Radio. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and and talk about the diocese. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically, I want to start by asking about the annual Catholic appeal. Mm-hmm. So most We're in of the us midst of it now. Yes, mm-hmm. and most of us know because we get an envelope in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, tell us more about what this does, who's leading oh, it, etc. Yeah, gladly, gladly. I mean, the annual Catholic appeal is our. Uh, ask of the people of the diocese to support the ministries and missions of the of the diocese so it is pastoral really and that is why it's called the annual catholic appeal it used to be called the annual bishop's appeal but it's really not my appeal but rather it's the people we serves appeal to the people of the diocese right and you know it, it, we do it every year this year um the need is probably as tremendous as it was last year when the pandemic began to really bite in, in part because we are beginning to see the lasting effects on the lives of people that will not recover quickly or at all. Mm-hmm. So just like in 2008, when we had the, that, the crash and we called the Great Recession. Yes. And there was a whole group of individuals who were left behind. Now, in large numbers, we're beginning to see they will be left behind. And we need to do our best to make sure that does not happen. So the social charitable needs are acute. But the other need is that going back to the question of that window, that opportunity that we talked about for radio, it's true for every aspect of the ministry of the church. It's, about, it's for young adults and outreach to young people. It's outreach to families and new parents, right? It's the need to, we have the opportunity if people are wondering, wondering, what is all this all about, life all about? We just kind of almost went off the cliff so what does that mean for me, for us, for the country, for the church? Then this is the opportunity, strike while the iron's hot, to have some real bold initiatives that will need seed money. So this annual Catholic appeal is extraordinarily important. Now, structurally, it has changed in two ways. That because, if you recall, we stand with Christ, we did our capital campaign and people have responded generously, and I'm going to continue to ask them to fulfill those pledges to the extent that they have already submitted, I think close to 56 or $57 million has been brought in from that of the 102 million pledged. 
because those monies are being put into endowments, much of it is being put into endowments, our need and the annual Catholic appeal is not as large as it used to be. So this year's amount is 10% less than last year. So we're hoping to raise 8.2 million. When I came to the diocese, it was 12 million every year. Wow. So I want to make it a manageable ask, right? I want it to be sacrificial, but not extraordinarily burdensome, right? So that's one. And the second is it's a partnership now with parishes. Because if a parish raises its goal, it will go to the diocesan needs, of which parishes benefit. And I'll give you an example in a second. But all of the money raised above the goal can either stay with the parish now for the first time, or the parish can give it in charitable outreach to another parish that may be struggling, or to another mission of its choice, or to a project that it has. So I like to think of it as a partnership now. Yeah. But how does how do the parishes benefit? How do the people of our parishes benefit from the appeal? Well, in addition to the resources for faith formation and our communication strategy and everything we do in social media and all the other things that we do in the works of charity, in Catholic charities, and education and the Bishop Scholarship Fund, those are direct way people are aided. But now there are new ways. For example, the St. Francis Xavier Fund in Foundations in Faith is really designed to give concrete help to parishes that are struggling financially or struggling to be able to finance some creative idea or just some of the infrastructure they need, technology, for example. There is a whole pool of money now that never existed before on an annual basis that parishes now can ask for and it's making a huge difference in the, in, the, in the way these parishes function, particularly some of our poorer parishes. Right. Right? No, no different than the JP2 Fund for evangelization, right? There's money there that helps, right? So, so the annual Catholic appeal right, is extremely important. And therefore, I, as I made the ask for Veritas, I'm going to make the ask of our listeners, please do not dismiss the appeal when it comes. Look at that letter as a letter not coming from the bishop or the diocese. Or Imagine that letter is coming from a person in need, a person who is homeless, a person who has lost their job and may never get a job back because of, of the pandemic, a young person who, is, who wants to go to a school where he or she can learn the faith. Think of it as a personal appeal, because that's really what it is. It's all about people. I'm going to ask people to be as generous as they possibly can so at least we can reach the goal that we've set for the annual Catholic Appeal. Yeah. I think that last point, Excellency, is so important because people just say, oh, you know, Bishop's asking for money. But that's not what it is. You're, you're directly helping a person's life in a material way through Correct. the works that Catholic Charities and, and other Correct. arms Correct. of the diocese do. Correct. You know, people need to understand that the annual Catholic appeal and the cathedraticum assessment are the two ways the diocese asks for money. The appeal is solely for ministry. So all the money that's raised goes to ministry, goes to affect people's lives, to evangelize, to preach the gospel, to help people in need, to love our neighbor. All of that goes that way. There is not The cathedraticum, which is a percentage of the offertory, is for the administration of the diocese. And I'm not ashamed 
that we need to do that. Yes. Because the truth is, we are not congregational churches. We are Catholic churches. And the, the, the insight of a Catholic church, a local Catholic church, is that it is communion with other churches and the diocesan bishop who is the living symbol of unity, the communion of all churches. And I am in communion with the 5,800 other bishops around the world in communion with Peter. That makes us the single mystical body of Christ. And the fact that there are resources needed to do that, to ensure that we have safe environment, to ensure that we have compliance with all that the state asks us, to make sure that we do financially, that we're transparent, open, and we do everything compliant with the law and with best practices. The fact that there is a chancery that allows for the, for the law of the church to be administered justly, as there is a diocesan tribunal for those whose marriages cannot be healed, but seeking healing and seeking perhaps a new life, all of those functions are an, out, are an outgrowth of the gospel. So the cathedraticum takes care of all of those, but the appeal takes care of the ministries of the church. And my goodness, we need to expand them, not contract them. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just look out in the news and all the need, all the pain and suffering that's out there. Mm -hmm. It's not... Right? I, I, I might ruffle some feathers here, but it's not the job of the government to do that, to do all of that anyway, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's our job to take care of our neighbor, to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked. It's our well, job. Uh, it's our job because the Lord has mandated it. Yes. When you did it for the least of my sisters and brothers, you did it for me. He didn't, ask, he didn't say, if you feel like it, or if you'd like to, or if you want to, or if you... No, 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 no. Right. The, 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 the Lord and Savior said, this is the mandate of discipleship. So there is no question here that this is, this is our joyful obligation. Because if you don't want to do it for your neighbor, you do it for him. Yeah. Yeah, right? but let me let me may I just offer two other real of course um, yes interesting points about the golden opportunity right so there is work underway for creating bridges to young adults all right and we call these bridges centers but in fact they don't necessarily imply a physical place and one of them is going to be devoted to Catholic culture. Another one is going to be devoted to entrepreneurship. Now, what's the first? The first is building on the recognition that young adults have not been exposed to the beauty of Catholic faith. It's music and it's rich heritage of literature and architecture and art and prayer that is done in the mind of the church in a reverent and beautiful way, which includes adoration, that center is going to create initiatives where we're going to start introducing everyone, but particularly young adults, to, what, to the rich patrimony that should touch their hearts. Now is the time to raise the money to do that. I need that in the appeal. No different than entrepreneurship. What is that? Entrepreneurship is going to be a network of young adults who are coming out of graduate school, business school. We're gonna team them up with mentors who are accomplished, faithful Catholic men and women 
who have distinguished themselves in business and have been extraordinarily successful, and we have many of them in our diocese, to team them up as mentor and mentee, and we're going to suggest to them, there are so many social problems in our diocese. Let's take a small chunk of one, and you, as young adults, I want you to try to solve that problem. Create a non-for-profit with the help of your mentors and make a difference to some issue, whatever it may be, in Norwalk or Bridgeport or Stanford or whatever it may be. And not only will you learn how to be successful in the real world as business people, but you will learn the social teaching of the church, which mm -hmm. should excite you because the church, the gospel is leavened for the transformation of the whole world. You don't have to die to enter into the kingdom of God, but it's meant to begin to show its first buds in this world, right? A world of justice, a world of equality, a world of prosperity for God's children, a world for peace. And therefore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unleash these young adults and say, show the world what, you, what you're made of and what the gospel's made of. See, and I need money to do that. But this is the opportunity to do that, right? Yeah. Isn't it exciting? And then we could use Veritas as the means by which we could get the good news out so others will come. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that because uh, we know that millennials are leaving the church in mm -hmm. eye-popping numbers. But we also know that millennials regardless of what they their faith is they have this desire to serve and so you're tapping into that excellency and then in serving others that's that strengthens that edifies your own right. faith right because there's two questions you need to ask when you help what am i supposed to do and why am i doing it now what to do you can have a conversation with people of goodwill, people with no faith, the mechanics of it. That's the business aspect of it, to try to make a difference. Okay, I understand that. But why are you doing it? What's your ultimate goal? And if you, if you, if you press the issue long enough, you get into the ultimates of life. Why should it matter to you if a child is starving in Bridgeport? Why? What is it about that child? Well, that child's worth everything. Why? Who said so? The Lord said so. Society doesn't say that. But the Lord does. And you begin to, you begin to conceptualize what these young adults already instinctively know. And then you bring it to, 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 to word, to expression, and then suddenly they become receptive to the word of faith. Yes. But it was always there. But it was, yes. it was unformed and unspoken, right? So that's part of that evangelization that we talked about, is, is, is effectively communicating so that they realize right, that, that Christian faith is, is a coherent message that gives a worldview to a, who a person is, what society is, and what life is all about. That once it clicks, then you, then you have them. Remember, millennials are leaving a church that I do not believe in. Right. Atheists 
often reject a God that I do not believe in. Right. And we need to show them the face of the true God and the face of what the church is truly meant to be. And then perhaps not as many will walk away. Yes. Yep. And I love that this is this initiative is bringing them in through goodness. You have the other one that you talked about, which is bringing them in through beauty so that they open themselves up to the truth. It, right, 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 exactly, right. Once you, once you, you know, to encounter someone, what does that mean in the end? Is that you discover the beauty of the person before you. You discover their importance. You become captivated and fascinated. You are touched in a way that changes you. So whether it's truth, beauty, or goodness, the whole point is to be able to use one of those roads so that a person can encounter the Lord Jesus. And then everything else begins. Then grace begins. Grace sets up the encounter, and grace just develops that relationship. Yes. Right? Don't you find, Steve, that converts to the faith are often on fire with the faith? Yes, in a way that cradle Catholics right. aren't. As much, yeah, as it's much. true. And it's because they had the encounter. Right. First with Christ, then with the church, and then, every, and then their natural desire just led them further and further, not only into entrance into the church, but that deep passion just keeps, keeps growing. So that's what we want for everyone. This is the moment. This is why stewardship is important. That's why the resources are important. Yes. Okay. Yeah, amen. Can I, so I just I also want to take a few minutes because... Um, I'm not sure there's a lot of understanding, um, even within the mind of the man that you're talking to right now. Uh, mm -hmm. The We Stand With Christ Foundations. Can you maybe right. just explain those three a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Well, the bottom line is, as you recall, the We Stand With Christ campaign, which was extraordinarily successful. It's not quite finished yet, because there are three parishes that are still, they just started the campaign. Then we will be done. Oh, wow, okay. Believe it or not. Um, for extenuating circumstances. But anyway, uh, it was for the long-term needs of the diocese, meaning the long-term needs of the mission of the church. Because the annual Catholic appeal, all the money that's raised is spent within that year, the following year. But this would be money really that would be used for long-term investment and endowments that would create long-term financing for aspects of the mission of the church. And the people responded, right? So in a sense, the analogy in my mind is, in everyone's life, we raise, you know, you earn a living for your ordinary expenses, and then you save money, or you invest money, or you invest in your retirement for the longer term. So it's the same idea. Yes. And when the money was raised, it was raised, okay, so that it could be placed at the service of ministry in a safe, secure, and unambiguous way. And I felt very strongly about that for two reasons. One is because of all the difficulties the church has experienced over the last 20 some odd years. I wanted to be able to give assurance to people that the money they donate will only go for the mission of the church, right? And, and I can say that with 100% clarity. And the second is, I, as you know, am a big believer 
that those who raise the money under the guidance of the bishop should also have a say as to how the money is spent. That's co-responsibility. Therefore, there needs to be lay leadership in how these monies, as they begin to generate money, how they're used for the mission. Because that discernment is the whole church's discernment, not just the bishops or just the pastors. So in order to have both this security, all right, to ensure the money is only for mission, and to ensure that there's lay leadership involved, I created the three foundations of education, faith, and charity, which are the three aspects of the ministries of the church that the capital campaign raised money for. Education is obvious. Mm -hmm. Faith is the pastoral life of the, of, the, of the church. And charity is the works of Catholic charities and the works of charity in general. Yeah. Each has a lay board. Each has a lay chair. Um, each is doing phenomenal work. And foundations in education is also raising money on an annual basis to supplement what the annual Catholic Appeal can do for the Bishop Scholarship Fund, because that need is astronomical. Yeah. And coming out of the pandemic, my friends, it's going to grow even more. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? Are they having their gala? Virtually. Okay. Next week. Okay. Yeah, it's virtual, okay. which I've, I've never attended a virtual gala, so this will be a, a, something new for me. Please, God, there will be... It's really a hybrid. If I, it, it, there's going to be a small gathering, but most of it will be, you know, online. Next okay. year, though, please God, we'll be back in person. Okay. Okay. Because I enjoy the, I, I enjoy the meeting people, and it's just and the celebration that it brings with it. But anyway, there yeah, is a. Gap. It's important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Thank you, Excellency. Um, and I thought I think it was important that you explained those foundations because you know. A lot of people don't know that separation to the the protection of the of the of the funds. That's all stuff that people need to know about. So exactly. And may I have one last point, yes. if I may, before we wrap up? And that is for those who are listening to this, who may be older, who are beginning their legacy planning, their estate planning. The three foundations actually give someone an opportunity to say, "I want to leave." a certain amount of money to the Thomas Merton Center. And it can go as an endowment. It can go into an endowment created for Thomas Merton in foundations and charity. And they know that for as long as the thing exists, Thomas Merton, that money will be for its disposition. No different than education, our schools. It allows to give money to the diocese. I would welcome it. But in this world, people will say, where's my assurance? The foundations give you that assurance yeah. to be able to do that for the mission of the church. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So, so the number to call in and make a pledge for Veritas Catholic Network is 833-88-TRUTH. 833-88-TRUTH. Call in uh, during the break. Let's continue to build Veritas Catholic Network together. If you're listening to this actually on a podcast and the Pledge Week drive is already over, it's not too late. You can still participate. Just call us, 833-88-TRUTH, or go to www.veritascatholic.com. Make your gift of support and just let us know. It's part of the pledge drive. Okay, This is the only 24-hour station here in this community that offers faithful Catholic teaching, uplifting conversations, and the truth. 
And we've brought you Let Me Be Frank for over a year, and we still have much more work to keep going. So we can't do it without your help. This is your station. Let's keep building it together. We will be right back with a listener question for Bishop Frank. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Called to Communion. Every day, we ask the question, what's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? People call in from all over the world to share with us their thoughts, their concerns, their questions about the Catholic faith. We try to answer those questions, remove objections and misunderstanding, and the fruit is obvious in the lives of the callers. We get testimonies on a daily, weekly basis of those whose lives have been transformed by first encountering the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church on Catholic Radio. Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, is bringing the truth to Connecticut and New York, serving the larger New York City metro area. You can support their ministry by calling 833-888-7884. That's 833-88-TRUTH or VeritasCatholic.com. Remember, Veritas Catholic Network, on the air since August the 21st, 2019. All right, welcome back. This is the Veritas Catholic Network, and you are listening to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, we have a, a, a timely, I guess, in the news email from a listener from Fairfield. So mm-hmm. here's the question. He, he wrote, I'm concerned about the news I'm hearing about the church in Germany. What are your thoughts on this? I guess they're referring to the synodal process that they have put together. I think that's what it is. Yeah. You see, I think it's the methodology is a common one, since we ourselves had a synod in the diocese. When you gather together leadership, clerical and lay leadership and the religious, and you talk over the issues of the day for to become more pastorally effective. So what the process is not new. What is confusing is that some of the topics they are discussing are above their collective pay grade. Okay, in my humble opinion, they are not appropriate for a national synod. To talk about celibacy or questions of uh, the possibility of women being ordained to the diaconate or whatever, the national synod in Germany has no authority or jurisdiction either to debate those questions or render an opinion on that question. Right? Those are questions that are reserved for the ecclesial body, which is the whole church. And they have spoken on those issues through Peter. So I'm not sure why they chose those topics. Right? It is fraught with the possibility of raising expectations that cannot be realized and creating disappointment. And it could very well be its intent is to be inclusive. It could actually wind up... <laughs> causing people to leave because they thought they were going down a path that now they don't have a path to go down anymore. So, you know, you've come to know me, right? I'm a big believer, just say it like it is. Yes. So in the German cinema process, some of the topics they are discussing are certainly pertinent for a local church, but some of the topics they are raising do not belong in a national synod and they should not be pursued. Yeah. That's basically the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellency, what I've, I'm, what I've read, it seems like there's this um, idea that they want to make things more democratic versus you know, kind of disrupting the natural hierarchy of the church as it's been built, um, as it's been given to us by Jesus, really. 
Listen, uh, uh, the bottom line is, um, it's the spirit that guides discernment. So if someone goes in with a preconceived plan or agenda, they will do harm to the church and to their own spiritual life. So they are playing with spiritual fire Yeah. when you go into that. Right? Remember, in the end, if they successfully change what they think they want to change, whoever they are, at the risk of their own salvation, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. Pope so, Francis uh, even so wrote them. Yeah. yeah, Francis. Even Pope Francis has said to them, caution them. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, but I mean, some people just have to learn the hard way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, we'll pray for them. They, we need to keep praying for them and for the church. Okay. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in to us on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And I'm going to give everybody one more chance to call in during this show, 833-88-TRUTH. If you're listening to this podcast after the Pledge Week is over, as I said, it's not too late. Um, Just call 833-88-TRUTH or visit www.veritascatholic.com. What you are building here will be here for generations, and will touch millions of souls. Excellency, thank you for today, and would you please give us your blessing? I would be happy to. Lord our God, we come to you, and we ask an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us and our listeners, upon everyone involved in Veritas Catholic Radio. We come here as best we can to serve the mission that you have given us. Forgive our faults and failings, and may it bear great fruit all that we do for your honor and glory and the love of our neighbor. We ask that your spirit bless us and guide us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. All right, my friend. Thanks, Excellency. All the best to you. I'll see you next week. See you next week.